1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. I was saying last week I was looking forward to this chapter because <laughs> there's been some really hard things as we've been going through all the different ups and downs of Paul addressing the church of Corinth and where they're at and what they're dealing with and working through and his love for them to see them grow and not get stuck and, and uh, to see things being done orderly and with uh, a heart to serve one another instead of just appease themselves. And uh, this is just a beautiful um, picture of the resurrection of Jesus and the importance of it. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Um, I say that a lot because there's a lot of them, um, but I'm excited for this this morning. So let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you uh, for each person here um, that's, that's made it out, and especially the dads who are here, Lord, and, and uh, making that effort to be here on, on this day. And God, I pray that you just would bless this time and speak to us by your spirit, through your word, that we would have um, eyes to see, we would have ears to hear, that we would be uh, able to understand and hear what you're showing and teaching us, Lord, that it would be, uh, that there would be um, conviction and, and that there would be um, just clear direction on the way you want us to go. So we just pray these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, Verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand. Um, There's a lot of issues in Corinth. One of the things that they absolutely did have right is the gospel. That's why they're believers. They are sticking to the gospel. Immature, very much so. That's why Paul said to them, I want to see you mature. I want to see you grow up. I want to see you uh, go further because you're kind of being limited by your, uh, your desires and your passions to only serve yourselves and to not let God have all of your life to, to move on into, into some really cool things. Because as we're actually going to see today, Paul was an example of someone who when he started following Jesus, he kind of didn't leave any walls for left up to, to block off the work of the Spirit in his life, right? He said, here I am, here's all of me. And so God used him in a very powerful way because he was open to it. And as soon as he saw who Jesus was, he was all in. And his life was forever changed. It wasn't like something where he just would change it on his um, MySpace, you know, account. You guys ever heard of MySpace? I'm just joking. It was a joke. I was like, it says Christian. This guy's a Christian. I could see it right there, you know. Uh, no, it, it was very obvious he was a Christian, you know. And, and, uh, and his life, it, it got him in trouble even. But he didn't care because he'd been uh, convicted and confronted with the truth of the gospel, of the good news of the gospel. And so he, then being a receiver of the good news of the gospel, which is the gospel is just that good news, he then preaches the good news of the gospel. He becomes one that tells of the things that he's received of, right? And we've mentioned before, we love to do this. Don't you love to be the first person that finds a good place to eat, right? The new place, you, have you ever been there? Please say no, please say no, please say no. No, it's really good. You, you should try it, okay? Uh, or, or maybe they have been and they don't like it, and you're like, 
oh, but did you try this? Because that's not, don't get that. That one's not good. You've got to try this. This is the one. And then, of course, it's the ultimate bummer when you tell someone about something and then they find out they didn't like it after all. And you go, well, that's just, anyway. But uh, we like to be able to tell good things we figured out or good news or check out this coupon or Chick-fil-A's giving away milkshakes, you know, or whatever. And you go, yeah, all right, good news. This is good news. And I received it. I want to pass it along. Here you go. And so that's exactly how Paul is. And so he says, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand. So the gospel was preached to them. He declared it to them. They've received it. That's important right? To receive the gospel, not just to hear it where you go, cool story. Okay, that sounds good. But you receive it, and in receiving it, you say, I understand this to be true. I reckon this to be true, that I absolutely needed a Savior, and that He absolutely came, and that there's new life found in Christ. This is good news, right? This is the good news of the gospel. I've received it, and then in which you stand, not only did, was it declared to you, not only did you receive it, but you're standing in it. Like, it's, it, it is who you are. And it's, 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 it's infiltrated your whole life. By which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So he says, by which you are also saved. You stand in it, you've received it, and it is by this you are saved. It's not just like a cool thing that you learned along the way and that's somewhat useful. It is how we are saved. It is salvation in and of itself. Is is the, the Lamb of God came and took the sin of the world. They would understand the sacrifice of a lamb, right? I mean, that was all throughout Jewish custom and history, but even Corinth, they would understand this. They would have seen it. They understood sacrifice. So you're saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. That's an interesting way of putting it. Hold fast the word which is preached to you, unless you believed in vain. The idea is that you could have believed, but it didn't take root in your heart. And this is kind of like the sower, right, of the seed, where you believed, but it wasn't enough. And this is a sad thing to watch, right, where you've seen it, and you, and you, you watch it happen, and, and you go, they receive with joy, and, but then something comes, and either the roots can't grow deep, or a weed comes and chokes it out. And that's, that's a hard thing to watch. It's something that... Uh, we are not intended for. It's not just to be like, oh, good, I, you know, I covered my policy. I've, I'm good to go to heaven. I've got my heaven policy covered. Now I can live however I want to live. It's to take everything, to completely change you from the inside out. The Spirit would have that rule and reign, just like in the life of Paul. Verse 3, for I delivered you, first of all, that which I also received. Is, is it cold in here? Are you guys cold? Yes. Can we turn it down a little or up a little bit? I think it's... If I'm cold, you're cold, because I'm usually sweating right now at this point. Um, uh, here, so he says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. So Paul says, I'm not giving you anything new. I'm giving to you what I've already received. Like, so I, I'm not giving you some, you know, message that I don't myself adhere to. I mean, it's not do as I say, not as I do, Right? Like, I've received this, and so I'm giving to you the exact same thing. 
And we like original things, right? As, as a people, we like, oh, I, the, you know, here's a fresh take on Mexican food, you know? You know, that, oh, wow, it's a, oh, a fresh take on, you know, a little more zing and a little more pep, you know, here and with a little bit of pizzazz and some flash and flair, you know. This is, this sells, it's marketing, right? Uh, and, and it's not to say we shouldn't speak to the culture that we live in, but the gospel message in and of itself, it needs to be com- com- communicated clearly to culture, but it doesn't need any help, right? You don't have to say, come accept Jesus and we'll also give you, a, you know, a cookie, you know, or whatever, a lifetime supply of Girl Scout cookies, you know, for any salvations. You buy one salvation, you get a second one free, you know. Buy, you know, you get two, you get five for free. You go ahead and get the whole family. Let's bring them all in, you know. And so, no, it doesn't need that. It is the good news in and of itself. There's no greater thing you could add to it. There's nothing better you could. So Paul's saying, I'm just giving you what I've received. I'm not recreate. I'm not recreating. I'm not remaking it, doing a remix on it. Because that's sometimes a bummer too, right? If you have like a song you really like, and then all of a sudden it comes on, you're like, that's my song. But it's a remix, and you're like, this is garbage. I hate this song. Because I really hate it because it was a song I liked, and now I, you've ruined it. You've ruined my, I mean, unless you like the remix, then, you know, different people. But the idea is simply he's giving what he's received, and that is the, the good news of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and then he rose again the third day, again, according to the scriptures. Remember, as Paul's speaking to the Corinthian church about spiritual gifts and, and about the way that they interact with one another, even the way they eat and the way, all of these things uh, in relationships with one another, he's spoken to order, that God has order, that there's a reason and a rhyme and, a, and he has a plan going in. So Jesus dying on a cross was not like a rogue decision, you know? Like he didn't go... You know, I'm just going to die. Maybe that'll solve something. I don't know. We'll just see what happens, you know. Just throw something at the wall and see if it'll stick. No, this was planned. This was uh, prophesied about for for thousands of years that Jesus was going to come and die on the cross for our sins. All of, from the beginning to the end, all of humanity was pointing to the need for a Savior. And here he was. Here he is for us. So it was, it was confirmed, and it was, uh, you know, it, even where he was born and all these things, and, and it made an, a huge impact as we s- talked about Easter. Time itself is based on Jesus. Like, this, this was not just some, you know, carpenter's son that was born to a, you know, a at best middle-class Jewish family, right? This was, he was so much more. He made such an impact on history. Who was this man? Who was he? And, and, and it was, he was a Christ. He, as it was spoken of in, in, in scripture, that he would die for our sins, that he would be buried and that he would rise again the third day. The third day was important too, because he himself said three days later, he was going to rise. This is, this is so rad. Again, nothing new here. Paul's pulling from all, old things to show no none of this is new this was planned for a long time before he was ever even born he didn't make it up he didn't you know trick anybody this was the real thing 
Then verse 5, he says, and that he was seen by Cephas. Cephas is Peter, right? And that's interesting that it was seen, seen by Cephas, then by the 12. Because we don't really have this uh, account of Peter first, right? Because it seems like that he talked with Peter first. And we have the whole breakfast at the sea thing with Jesus and Peter. But the timing of it all, I, Peter needed love, right? Peter messed up. And he, well, he felt like I, I ditched on my, my Savior. And, you know, I, I, like, I can't believe I walked out. And, and now he's risen from the dead. So this is super awkward, you know. Like, you know, <laughs> I kind of, like, didn't believe he was the Savior of the world for a second. So, you know, but now I'm, you know, been proved wrong, I guess. So he's seen by, by Peter, then by the twelve. Then he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Now, this is where it starts getting really interesting because we have uh, many, many people that could have proven this to be false, right? These people were, and, and look what he says here, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Meaning a lot of these people were still alive and would testify to this fact. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. What's interesting about James is James was Jesus' brother, right? And James didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God when he was on earth. He was his brother, right? So it's kind of like, that's my brother. Like, yeah, he, doesn't, he never messes up, but he can't be God, right? You know? It would be a tough, that would definitely be a tough place to grow up. Like you're living with the perfect, like, Son of God, and he's your older brother. Why don't you be more like your brother, you know? Like, this would, this would never have been more, like, true, you know? Like, James, why don't you be, he's like, I don't, he, there's got to be something wrong with him. There's, I know there's something, you know? And, and, and then he walks in, and he's like, hey, James, what's up, man? And he's just like, this, guy, this guy's never off, man. He's on, you know. But he, he had been, so he had to be, go see his brother. And we know that this James, the brother of Jesus, wrote the book of James, right? So he was convinced. You want to know how to really convince someone you're a Christian, have it be someone in your house. That's a full-blown deal because they, they're not just seeing the, hey, brother, how you doing? Good to see. Oh, praying for blessings in your life. That's right. Here we go. And then you get in your car and you're just like, you know, turn on Tupac and let's go. You know, I'm out of here, you know. You're like, that was church. Now let's go to my normal life, you know. Glad to get that hour and a half out of the way, you know. I guess I'll go to the testify night. Yeah, whatever. No, but it, it would have been, you know, especially for someone to have grown up. He saw it for what it was and for who he was. So he's seen by James and then by all the apostles. And then he says, last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. This is a wild section of scripture. And it has led to so much investigation as to all these people that claim to see Jesus risen from the dead. Is there any historical belief that Jesus did not live? I mean, I you'd have to have a really skewed view of history to not believe that he actually lived. What about to say that he died on a cross? No, that's there. Again, time is based on this, right? But then you say he was risen from the dead. You will find a great number of people willing to give their lives for the sake of sin. I saw him rise from the dead. 
And so we walk and we look at this in a, from a mindset of how do we view this information using you know, reason and logic of, of over 500 people that said they saw him risen from the dead, that he walked around some like 60 days and was cruising around and everybody was hanging out with him and saw him and then he was gone. But these people were willing to die for this. And so there's been all kinds of theories that have come up over time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got the opportunity to see this speaker. His name is Jay Warner Wallace some, some years ago. My friend Brandon put on this, this really cool uh, apologetics conference. And it was Jay Warner Wallace was there and Sean McDowell and Brett Kunkel and all these guys who are really good. They're thinkers. And they, they would take, you know, a using their mind to worship God, you know, to see it like with their mind. And, and Jay Warner Wallace was someone who was an atheist, self-proclaimed atheist, and he was a, a detective on NBC's Dateline. I mean, like, he was a good detective, right? You don't get on a TV show if you're a bad detective, right? They'd use him. And he's been used on many different, he appears on Court TV and Fox News and all these different things. And he's, he's a known detective and has found, uh, you know, been used for lots of different things. And he started examining the resurrection of Jesus. I actually have a really short video I kind of wanted to show you, Paul. Bear with us. I think Paul's the master. But, you know, this is a tricky situation we have going on here. It's a short video, but I, I thought it was interesting, and we'll kind of get back into it after this. So that's Jay Warner Wallace right there. And I'm not going to talk through the whole video, but here you go.
so yeah, and and what I got to see his talk uh, on this was uh, he actually broke it all down and went through all of it, like like full on detective broke down this basically this passage, um, and it was so interesting because it literally brought him to Christ because of being able to break it down and look at it. And, and really what Paul's trying to explain here to, to this church of Corinth is that this is everything in Christianity. This is everything. It's absolutely everything. Um, and here, I got some quotes actually from Jay Warner Wallace. He, he's got a book too called Cold Case Christianity. And, and there's one for kids. I think I've shared that before. We actually have it. Cannon's kind of reading it. <laughs> it's just kind of super cool. Like it's a kid's version of looking at it with a, we need to have sharp minds, right? Like this is, it's important to understand, like our faith is not based on like, oh, I just kind of feel it. That's, that's not good, right? Because you feel a lot of things. Like I feel hungry, you know? And, uh, but, it, but really if I'm logical, but I did eat like two hours ago. So I'm not, I'm not starving, am I? Like, maybe I think I'm starving, but I'm not. But this is more than that. And, and God's allowed us to be able to see this. Verse, uh, I mean, so one of the quotes here from J. Warner Wallace from his book, Cold Case Christianity, and it's called, uh, A Homicide Detective Investigates the Claims of the Gospels. So uh, it said, Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. So let that, think about that for a second. And then he says this, uh, I, I love this quote also. He says, if skeptics were willing to give the gospels the same benefit of the doubt they are willing to give other ancient uh, documents, the gospels would easily pass the test of authorship. Meaning, we have reason to believe this. Spurgeon actually uh, was, had a really cool quote on this too. He says, I suppose, brethren, that we may have persons arise who will doubt whether there was ever such a man as Julius Caesar or Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, and when they do, when all reliable history is flung to the winds, which, by the way, you could almost see happening in this day and age, right? <laughs> Throwing all of that to the winds. Then, but not till then, may we, they begin to question whether Jesus Christ rose from the dead. For this historical fact is attested by more witnesses than almost any other fact that stands on record in history, whether sacred or profane. This would be, of course, in ancient history, right? Or like past, you know, not, like nowadays we have video, right? And how interesting is it that Jesus was born when there was no photographs, right? When there was no video. And, and we know that, you know, there's a, a major benefit to those who believe without seeing, but our faith is not blind. We see it for what it is. First Peter uh, 3, verses 13 through 17 says, and he uh, who will harm you uh, if you become followers of, of good, of what is good. Wait, sorry. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer righteousness, for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. The, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers... Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed, for it is better if 
if it is will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And what Peter's talking about is don't worry when people come against you. They, they, that is normal. And there's times you're going to suffer for this. But our job is uh, to sanctify the Lord in our hearts and, and to be ready to give the defense for the reason, the hope that is in us. And now here's the other thing with meekness and fear. So a lot of times you find the people who have, the, I have the answers for the hope, but I'm a total jerk about it. Don't do that. This is sending us backwards, right? And, and that's, that's kind of like a troubling thing in our society today, right? Is you can't talk. There's no talking, right? It's like, you say something and we're good because it's surface. And then you say something I don't like, and then I throw you out. And then you throw me out. And now we're enemies. And that's just it. That's all there is to it. But what, what about reasoning together? Like having conversations where you're like, oh, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to go crazy about this. Like, I'll just listen. Let's listen. Let's talk. Can I encourage you? The truth is on our side. We don't have to be afraid of it. And it's right here in front of us. Like, this is what we live for. This is the hope we have in us, that Jesus rose from the dead. So we have hope in that, that it was prophesied about. You know, look, find, find the old scriptures and, and see that this way predated Jesus and told about him coming. And that all these people saw him rise from the dead. And, and in his, you might be able to find it on YouTube. He probably has a video of his actual cold case Christianity. And it would probably be worth a watch. He talks about, goes through all of them, the swoon and the, the hallucinating and the the collusion, you know, where they're all working together. And, and he breaks down why, from a, the mind of a cold case detective, those things don't work. Like, especially with this many people, way too many people. Somebody's going to break, right? You know, like, you, when we think about it, the bravest of the brave, you know, you're not going to die for a lie. And not, especially not all of us. Someone's going to be like, oh, nope, this is nuts. We're out of here. Because what do you gain for you dying and knowing that, what, is there eternal life? No, you're dying for nothing and dying painful deaths. They, and by the way, what do we know about these disciples? Were they super brave? They weren't even willing to like, be said that they knew Jesus before he died. And they were willing to go to their death. They were fearless against authorities. They had become filled with the Holy Spirit and they had seen a risen Savior. And we have Proof of this, that these men existed. And if those men existed, then we can exist in that state, right? <laughs> we can believe like that. We can live like that. So at the end there, Paul said, and he was revealed to, I saw him too, remember? And that's when he was confronted on the road to Damascus. And we saw that in Acts. And what happened in, in his life, he was changed. But he says, I was the last one, as born, one born out of due, due time. And he says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I'm the least of the apostles. I shouldn't even be called an apostle. And, and Paul's not saying this, I don't think, it, with any kind of sarcasm. I think he's saying it because he really recognized what he did. And that's important, by the way. It's important to recognize your sin, isn't it? Not just be like, eh, well, but at least I was better than a lot of people. Paul, like, no, I know who I was. Like, I really don't even belong here. But, verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Because of the grace of God, I have become something 
way better than I ever imagined. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And this was interesting as I was looking at this and reading and, and listening on the subject about Paul's dedication to not be lazy with what God had given him, to take the grace and run with it, had a lot to do with the fact of how effective he was, wasn't it? Just like in anything in your life. You've been given a physical ability to do something. If you choose to invest in that physical ability and don't be lazy, but work hard, you will see benefits, right? You know, our softball team used to get destroyed, and we're getting better. We scored 33 runs, okay? That, but that, but that, is, that takes time to get there, you know? I love, I, I love mountain biking, and that's like a thing. And, and there's, the, there's nothing better than having a climb that you used to, like, barely get up. And maybe you get off, like, oh, I can't quite make it over the edge. And you burn up it without even noticing you did it. There's nothing better than that feeling. You're like, I can't believe that used to be so hard for me, and now I have no problem doing that. And I like to look on Strava, and I can look back on my old times, and there's this one section that used to take like two minutes, and now it's like 22 seconds. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, what in the world? What was I doing, you know? And I'm all embarrassed, you know? Like, did anyone see me take two minutes to do this, you know? But, like, you can see the benefits, but it comes from the work that's put in. Spiritually, we have been given opportunities, but it takes work and effort to grow into those things. And God, man, if you want to be useful in the hands of the Lord, and I think about this, we got to work hard. you got to invest in it, right? Think about that. Like, that's, and I sometimes think that, like, oh, Lord, why isn't this or why isn't that? It's like, well, invest more into it. Invest more into people. Invest more into, you know, reading of the word, spending time hearing from him. Invest in your prayer life. Invest in, in study. Not just reading, but study. Invest in your mind, like, so you know what you believe. Watch his cold case video. It's interesting, right? The, the, you could read, um, uh, oh, Case for Christ, right? Lee Strobel. Another, another kind of th- thing in that book. And it's not the end-all, be-all, but... It's always interesting to see people who were not down with Christianity become Christians because of the evidence. This is an interesting thing you could look into. And, and there's a Stand to Reason is an amazing, um, like I get their emails and they, they teach you to think through difficult things and stuff that the culture doesn't believe in is, is kind of going opposite, but it tells you how to speak to these things without you, well, well, they're just satanic, you know. It's like, no, understand where people are at and, and how to speak to them where they're at and come, let us reason. Let me figure out how to, how can I speak to you in a way that you'll understand? Like Paul in Mars Hill, like, I know the unknown God you guys are looking for. I've met him. His name is Jesus. This was Paul. He was, he was so smart and yet so filled with the Holy Spirit, so he stayed humble and meek and did everything with like this beautiful heart but he used all everything that he had. He didn't forsake his mind. So Paul worked harder than the rest. But he says, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So was it Paul? Was it the grace of God? Both. You're going to need the grace of God. You're going to need to work, right? 
God meets you right there. It's not a legalistic thing. It's a value thing, right? Like you gain from this and it's a beautiful thing. God will work this out in you. As you draw near to him, he draws near to you. That's good news, right? Verse 11, therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. And he's going to get into the next section. We're not doing it this week on what the resurrection means for us. Like what that means for the believer, like not just, you know, the, the gospel message, but like how that affects our life, believing in the resurrection and living in that, that newness of life. So I really encourage you to come back next week because I think it's going to be rad, but this is stuff to chew on. Maybe read through it again and, and, and say, God, help me to, to grow in these ways. And, to, and maybe you're on the edge and you're like, I don't know. I'm not really like buying into the resurrection. I thought it was really interesting what Jay Warner Wallace said is that he had come into it with a wall up that said, well, as long as it's not that, then that's okay. Well, that's not seeking the truth, is it? Saying, well, as long as there's no supernatural talk, I'm out. But what if the supernatural thing is the thing that makes the most sense? And, and do we really have a problem with the supernatural when God speaks the world into existence? And, and, and when there's things we absolutely cannot explain. And the best uh, explanation we have is, is crazier than believing in an all-powerful God, right? So it's, it's becoming comfortable like, that there's someone bigger out there than us. But that, that the one that's bigger than us loves us, created us, has a plan for us, is working in us, is calling us. This is good news. This is the gospel. So let's, let's pray, and we're, we're going to close up in some worship here. And, um, yeah, move from there. Lord, we thank you so much for, for that good news, for the gospel message, God.